Hello and welcome to the Celtic Women's Football Show. My name is Claire Wilde and I will be your host. We've got a lot to talk about and the person who's here to talk about it all with me and hopefully keep me right because I was just saying how sort of a muddle it all is in my head it feels. There's been a lot going on this week, Lorenzo Pacitti. <laughs> Good morning, Claire. Good. I realise what time it is that we're recording for a change. I know, we normally record the night before but we're recording the morning of, which is very nice. I've got a cup of coffee. <laughs> I've got a cup of tea. Yeah, we're up to date with all breaking news. Should it, should it <laughs> we, break? Yeah, we hope we hope to be anyway. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Good. How are you? Yeah, um, it's yeah, I'm good. I think this um, kind of post split end of season running is causing me a lot of stress. I don't know about how you're feeling about it. Yeah, it's it's insane. Um, but it is very exciting. I think I'm I'm embracing the. The excitement of it. Embrace um, the chaos. <laughs> yeah, you've, you've settled into the week's results. Um, disappointing, but also, you know, things are still there. I think that's the important thing. Uh-huh. Uh, we've got a huge week coming up now, and it's just very exciting to think about this game tomorrow and, and everything that's ahead of us and the potential. And I think if you were to kind of draw it up on like a, you know, at the beginning of the season, if you told us we'd be in this position, I yeah. think you'd have been buzzing. Yeah. Um, and maybe if we're looking bookies odds wise, I actually think we've got a, a real good shout in terms of what we need to happen. So I think there's a lot to be excited about. Yeah, there really is. Um, I did a little, uh, our very good friend Claire Boyle um, was texting me saying that trying to work out all the permutations of everything. And I said, well, come on, you know, you, you're an accountant, do a spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> so she did do a spreadsheet and then I turned it into some kind of insane graphic with too many numbers on it yesterday. Cause I just was like, I just need to, I need this to be, like laid out in a way that I can understand and other people can. Um, so we'll share that again today. But there are, um, we basically need to win on Thursday to keep the hopes alive. But after that, there are all sorts of different permutations, some of which are completely out of our hands um, as to whether we win the league or get Champions League football. So like you said, get the win on Thursday if we can, and then it's everything to play for. So it is really, really exciting. Um, before we talk about all that, We've got a bit of news and things. We've got uh, we had the PFA uh, Player of the Year nominations, which is the nominations that are voted for by fellow players, I believe. Um, Caitlin Hayes and Jacinta Galabadarachi got their nominations. Um, I mean, I don't think there's any argument that that's well-deserved, is there, Lorenzo? No, I think they're the two obvious choices. Uh, I think throughout the league, they're two of the standout players. You know, we're not, it's not like the men's team of the year where we can expect to kind of completely dominate it. Um, we're in a league with a lot of very evenly matched teams. But I think for us, Jacinta and Hayes definitely stand, you stand out this season as, as real top performers. Hayes has saved our arse on so many occasions. Mm-hmm. And Jacinta just shows our, our quality every week. So I think it makes sense. There's some, you know, we're Celtic fans. So if we're going to look from a Celtic point of view, we've been huge fans of Natalie Ross this season. But again, half the battle with her is that a lot of her work goes underappreciated. So unless you're watching a week in, week out like us, um, we can kind of understand why she doesn't make the cut for these things. Um, and in the form of Lou, you know, yeah, maybe throughout an entire season, it's been somewhat hot and cold just because the first half didn't quite start the same. Um, but she's been in such insane form and kind of highlight reel form that you'd think maybe she'd have been with a shout. The the big thing to take away is that if she'd stayed fit, it would have been LAC would have been in this team and would have been player of the year. Do you know what? That's an extremely good point. And 
Um, she's obviously been having a long recovery because it was an ACL and that's a whole other topic for discussion about these, you know, ACL injuries that keep happening. But, you know, if we can keep her up here f- and get her fit for next season, I mean, that would be incredible, wouldn't it, Lorenzo? It's just been a while since I waxed Laura Clow about uh, LAC on this podcast. I thought, <laughs> what better time to do it than... For those not in the know, it. he's talking about Lucy Ashworth Clifford. <laughs> yeah, I can't risk saying a full name, though, because for some reason I always turn it around on itself. Um, it's interesting that you mentioned Natalie Ross there because we had a bit of bad news at yesterday's press conference, didn't we? Um, I texted you straight away and many sad face emojis were sent and shared because Fran said that uh, some kind of fra- arm fracture, I don't... I'm not sure it's like any kind of hugely career impacting injury, but it's certainly an injury that's going to take her out for the last few games of the season. Natalie Ross, um, big blow. Yeah, huge. I mean, she was already out of the cup final, which was, you know, frustrating anyway. Um, but to miss her for, you know, it's really all about City game is, is the huge, is the, the kind of overarching game that we're all looking at. Uh, she's so key for me to this team. She's so key when we win big games. Um, I can't really picture like a Celtic big game performance this season without Natalie Ross, you know, kind mm-hmm. of being a big reason about why we've dominated the midfield or why we've kind of competed. So it's a huge miss. Um, you know, being without live chance as well means there's a real hole there to be filled. I think Shen really came into the game a lot more. We'll talk about her performance against Rangers, but uh, she's a very different kind of player. Yeah, to Ross and to Liv Chance so it's it's going to be a very different looking midfield for these big games just without Natalie because she's the kind of I think we'll see Lisa coming in out of the team Natalie is if she's fit she plays so it's it's going to be a, a huge impact yeah I mean you mentioned it does leave us a bit short in midfield in terms of options and you mentioned Shen there it makes me glad that Shen has had a few more minutes than we've seen her had recently just because going into a big game like that if she had consistently be coming in off the bench a bit later and she had kind of hadn't had those solid minutes you'd be a little bit more worried I think wouldn't you yeah it's just you know Shane it's something we've spoken about with having quality but where is she going to find her fit back in this team you know no better chance than this and we saw her you know come into cup finals and stuff in, in awkward positions and take her chance at the end of the season she's somebody that's done this before so there's a lot to like about the fact that Shen's going to be involved in these big games because she does seem to perform in them. Uh, but it's just, it's it's going to be a really different looking team. And we've spoken in the last few weeks about how important it's been and how much of a boost it's been to have a starting 11 that you can kind of hang your hat on. Mm. Um, so now it's, I know, another spanner kind of thrown in the works, which is not what you want at the end of the season, but maybe it's a bit of a, maybe it could be a bit of a galvanising <laughs> effect for somebody like Shen. We don't like to take the easy route, Lorenzo. No, we don't, which is very frustrating sometimes. Um, Just before we talk, we've got a couple of games to talk about and um, we're going to look ahead to the game on Thursday against Glasgow City, of course. Um, Hearts finished fourth. That was confirmed this week. Uh, An amazing result for them. We've, you know, we have waxed lyrical a bit this season on this podcast about how good of a job I think everyone across Scottish football recognises what a good job Ava Ollard has done at Hearts and a well-deserved position for them to get in at the SWPL. Yeah, I mean, they've come from, you know, there's a lot of teams here that need to take that big step from kind of obscurity in, in the bottom of the league or part-time, mediocrity, whatever you want to call it in, in terms of compared to the top three. And Hearts have taken that most obvious leap, that kind of jump into the next bracket. Yeah. Because it's now the top three, then it's Hearts, then there's a gap before anybody else. 
Whereas it was very much Hibs before. Yeah, and it's just, I think Hibs took a big swing with their squad and changed a lot of stuff. And it didn't really pay off until maybe a wee bit later in the season in in little Mm -hmm. patches. Uh, But Hearts have had a lot more of like a consistent upswing, just trusting in Ava Allard. And I think from the minute she's came, you would hear, you know, Fran comment when we played Hearts about how well-organised they were or what a difference there's been in the quality. And we'll see it in the park. We'll see Hearts take points off the big three more than anybody else does. Um, so I think she deserves immense credit and the team deserve great credit. And the big difference, I think, is that they're not just a team who's well-organised. You can actually pinpoint now like players of note in that team. Mm-hmm. There's players who are a threat to us when we play them. And it's not just like, oh, Charlotte Parker-Smith is a really good keeper, you know, like it used to be. Yeah. There's now like players in that team where you can go like, there's somebody to watch, there's somebody to worry about. Yeah, definitely. Um, our good friend Christian Wolf is always telling me that we need to go in and just take Georgia Thames and buy her. <laughs> yep. We need, we need to do that with, you know, that'll be our end of the season chat, but there's players across this league who are not on long contracts who, if we're serious about winning this league consistently and performing and, and upgrading the team without having to take punts on players from far-flung places you know, who aren't getting game time, we need to start cherry-picking out the SWPL, and it's mm-hmm. frustrating to me. With <laughs> yeah, I started thinking about contracts and things um, yesterday and then decided to let's get Thursday out of the way before I start worrying mm-hmm. about a whole new set of problems. Yep. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's been a bit of a wild week. Obviously, you know... Um, we had the Rangers game last Thursday, which weirdly now we're, we're recording this on Wednesday. So we're not even a week away from it, but it's, it feels like it was a long time ago because a week is a long time in football, right? Yeah, particularly in the, the split and the SWPL with all these <laughs> games that come so thick and fast. It doesn't make any sense how games just kind of catch up on you. And it doesn't even seem, you know, to think about the game we played at Broadwood against Rangers seems like six months ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think we discussed our thoughts beforehand, I think, because, you know, it's always going to be a tough ask. Um, but we had, we've had a pretty good record against them this season. We were at home. This was a game that we could definitely get a result out of. Um, so the fact that we did lose it 1-0 was massively disappointing in the end. Um, but yeah, talk me through it. Um, we were both at the game. Yeah, it was um, maybe not as much of a crowd as anticipated, but at the same time it was on Sky. Yeah. And I noticed on Twitter and stuff, a lot of people were watching. Most people across my feed were talking about the mm. game. Uh, so that is all huge. I mean, attendances are what we want in terms of atmosphere of the games and stuff. But mm-hmm. in terms of growing the league, eyes on the telly are probably more important, you know, which yeah. is which is a strange thing to say, but it's probably true. Um, the atmosphere was good. Uh, kind of tense as always, I think. Rangers are still, I think it's maybe because of the name recognition with a lot of their players. If you're casually interested in Scottish women's football or you watch the national team at all, you'll recognise a lot more of their players. Yes. So I think when people come and watch Celtic Rangers for the first time, there is an awareness there that we're not supposed to turn up and, you know, beat them. Uh-huh. It's not really how, it's, how it goes every week. But, you know, it was, it, was a, it was a pretty good start from Celtic, I thought. Um, and we kind of, the game settled into what is quite typical for our games against them. Uh, which is that there's not a lot of big chances, there's not a lot of guilt edge chances, neither team particularly dominates the ball, but we're quite happy to break at pace when we get it and not try and keep it. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's frustrating at dead times in that first half. Um, let's talk about the lineup. We had uh, Pamela in goals, Pamela Tachonar, we had Clary Reardon, um, 
Caitlin Hayes and Kelly Clark. At the back, we had Natalie Ross, Shen, um, Hannah Kerner out on the right, Lou out on the left, and then uh, Gallagher, Jacinta and Natasha Flint. Um, was that kind of, the, I think, very close to the team we would have expected? Um, no Robertson? Yeah, that would be the only the, thing. I think Shen was Shen the surprise. Yeah, Shen definitely the surprise. Um, you know, we keep talking about her in terms of where she's going to fit in or where she's going to sub for somebody. For those big games, for me, it's you know, it's still Robertson and Ross is is my pick. Um, I kind of would understand why he's gone with Shen because we're looking to win that game. Maybe I don't know. You know, Shen offers a little bit more in an advanced position, but that's not where she was being played. She was being played as the kind of ball carrier from the back or the first out ball for the centre-backs. It was just quite... That, for me, has to be Lisa Robertson. If there's anybody that typifies that role, it's Lisa Robertson. Yeah. Um, The bench was Chloe Logan, Taylor Otto, Lisa Robertson, Chloe Craig, Liv Ferguson, Kit Lefersky, Tegan Bowie, Claire Goldie and Maria McEnany. Um, Yeah, I think you're right about that. Sort of surprised to see Robertson switched out for Shen. And the other thing, I guess, is we always like to see... Chloe Craig playing a role in these big games against Rangers, but Fran has to pick a squad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I pick a team from the squad. Um, so yeah, I, I thought the atmosphere was good. Like you said, maybe slightly fewer than we've seen for some of those big games in the evening before, but lots of people watching on the telly, which was fantastic. Um, you said you thought we started well. Um, it was quite a, I think I used the word on the game overall, like the phrase kind of a bit of a war of attrition for the whole game. Um, I don't know if that's something you might agree with. <laughs> yeah, I think these games need an early goal in terms of, I guess, to break into life or maybe from a neutral point of view, because they do just become derbies after that and they can be very, very tough watches. Yeah, uh, Not in the sense of the football being particularly bad. It's just, I think there's a lot of tension in the air at these games, particularly towards the end of the season, but... You know, Jazz had a chance pretty early on. Yeah. Uh, after some really, really good work from her and Hannah, and you know, in a different day, she takes that chance. Uh, I think the game with the atmosphere, even when she just when she had it saved, the atmosphere really kicked up a notch. Mm-hmm. Being quite excited about the the kind of football we we're playing going forward, um, but I think the minute that was kind of saved, everyone was kind of Rangers. I think had a lot of the ball, but they were really limited the long range efforts and they're not shy about that I think they've got a lot of good footballers who are quite happy taking shots outside the box um, but as a defence as a back three I think we kept Rangers kind of quiet in terms of with big chances or chances in the box cleared a lot of stuff away um, I think Celtic the same kind of limited long range but we are not a team that seems to score from long range No, so that's very different that's why again as you say it feels attritional because we're not seeing ourselves create the chances that we need to score goals yeah, uh, you know we're not a team that that scores twenty yarders regularly, or is quite happy to take a lot of pot shots. I think Rangers are, and in games where we beat them, they've got frustrated because they've been limited to that and they've really not taken any, and they've really been blasting some over the bar and stuff. So um, they were testing Pam a wee bit, uh, so maybe that gave them a bit of confidence. But yeah, not, not a lot of guilty chances, not a lot of particularly good football in the first half. Yeah, we we we're not so good at those long range chances, and you're right, we were quite limited. I mean. <clears throat> Let's just talk about Caitlin Hayes for a minute because, you know, we're gonna, obviously going to talk going to talk about her in the Partick Thistle game as well. But I've just made a note that like she is so crucial right from the off. She's the person who is 
um, harnessing that defense and making sure that they can't get through. And she's also the person who's able to put balls up that actually land at the feet of players who can do something with them. Meng Lu, I'm thinking of, who kept getting caught offside as well in the beginning of the game, which was a bit frustrating. Well, offside in, in quotation marks. Okay. <laughs> Um, yeah. Um, what did you think about Hayes's performance particularly and how important she is? I mean, she's, she's just in a game like this as well. She's, we kind of can't do without her. <laughs> yeah. She's on another level. I think we were watching the game and, uh, it was quite a frustrating start and frustrating watch at things the first half, but every kind of positive thing that was happening on the pitch was coming through Caitlin Hayes. She's winning a lot of tackles. She was taking the ball out of the fence herself really well. She kept really composed. She's very confident taking the ball out from the back. Um, and she's just a threat constantly mm-hmm. and on both sides of the ball. And that's just really, for a big derby game, you really need somebody who's that kind of boogeyman almost. And that is what Caitlin Hayes is to these teams. Uh, I just thought she was outstanding as usual. You never really see a game from Caitlin Hayes where you think she's hitting less than eight really yeah. <laughs> because she's so crucial it's not like she's not like she can just be steady the way Caitlin defends the way she plays with the ball she has to be involved in everything for better or worse yeah um so it's always good to, I mean she's always good so there's no I was gonna say it's mostly that. for the better <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's funny she does make everything look so easy you know sending up those balls for like Lou or Hannah or whatever and then you see I mean no no shade but like there was a couple of times Kelly had a go at doing it because obviously that's something they work on in training is getting those balls to those players and it didn't come off for her and it just makes you realize how consistent hazes when she does stuff like that and how pretty much any time you see her going for it you're like well that's probably gonna be okay that's that's gonna end up where it is supposed to end up yeah and every time she decides to not pass out she takes on you know one or two players and kind of glides by them Mm -hmm. and if she doesn't quite make it by them she looks i don't know what it is about caitlin i know she is a a physical player but if somebody tries to kind of challenge caitlin she looks about 40 times taller than people out (laughs) of the blue you know she really shrugs players off like Scotland internationals chasing her down two or three at a time yeah. and she'll glide past one and body up the other two and then, and then play a ball forward and then if you've got a centre back that can do that you know we've seen it throughout football yeah. particularly modern football if a centre back can carry a ball out of defence mm-hmm. particularly for a, how quick a team we have and how fast we get the ball forward it opens up so many opportunities and all that starts with her Um you mentioned Jacinta's chance. I think that was about 20 minutes and not long after Kirsty Howard had another chance that went wide. Um, we saw a bit of Shen and Lou working together, which I quite like to see. And hopefully we'll see a little bit more of that on Thursday. I don't know what your thoughts are on those two. We haven't seen them a lot on the same pitch, have we? <laughs> no, not really. Would you surprise me? Because, you know, I think when they first arrived, um, Lou was off the bench a lot more than Shen. And you would see that kind of, uh, like they would see him on the park at the same time. Obviously, when we watch the, the kind of media stuff, they're two wee pals and that's the kind of content we get. Um, <laughs> and when two players are pals, you know, you see a real chemistry on the pitch. It's almost, it's dead silly, but it's so, you know, straightforward mm-hmm. that if players are friendly or players have good connections, they play better on the pitch together. But I thought both of them had kind of awkward first halves. Um, Lou kept getting, you know, called offside, I'll say that. She kept getting kind of stuck uh, double teamed she didn't look like she trusted herself to go by McLaughlin as much as she usually would mm-hmm. McLaughlin's a really good player I mean she's in that PFA team of the year um, you know she's probably the best fullback 
uh, Lou will come up against. So I understand it. But she has that electric pace. It doesn't matter, you know, what defenders on her. She'll at least get a step on them. Um, so you'd like to see that change a wee bit for the City game. And then Shen, we were kind of frustrated at the start because she was having to play that Lisa Robertson role. It just didn't look that familiar to her. She wasn't coming and collecting the ball off Pam or mm-hmm. off the centre-backs as quick as she should be uh, because she maybe wants to be further up the pitch. She didn't look that comfortable. I think as the game went on, she really settled down. Yeah. Uh, but that was, you know, tough at the beginning. A wee bit of a tough watch to not see, uh, you know, somebody from our midfield coming and picking up a ball and taking it on. That's why it, it all kind of fell on Hayes. So these are these are things that we'll need to see different in the City game if we're going to end up winning yeah, that's interesting. I think naturally her game is like to move the ball forward and to be a bit more of a ta- an attacking player, like you say, with Shen. And like when she has been played out of position, I'm just thinking of the game, the the most infamous um, example when she played in that final as a wing back. But because of the way we play, that still gives her quite a lot of range to run up and down that line and to make those runs forward. So <clears throat> yeah, um, it's going to be intriguing to see what we do on Thursday. Um Am I procrastinating before we talk about the disallowed goal? Maybe a little bit. Shen <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Lou um, kind of working together to win that corner. Um, we get the corner. It comes in. Hayes heads it in. We all celebrate and go crazy. Um, and then suddenly the goal is disallowed. Now, of course, we've seen it back. What do you think? I think it was a. It was called as a foul by Tash Flint on... Um, Essen, the goalkeeper. I thought it was pathetic. Uh, really frustrating to watch it back. And I think like a few people watched it back at half time when we were in the game. Um, went in to get a heat and, and saw the highlight. Uh, I couldn't believe it. I just think, I mean, I can believe it. I think it's dead silly. Um, there's a lot of challenges this season that you've seen uh, on keepers that have been much worse than that. Uh, but at the same time, you've seen you, you do see these given in this league, which is mm. so stupid. And I think keepers are undersized to what the refs are used to in the men's game. You know, I think yeah. that is is making a difference because they seem to just decide if a keeper can't reach a ball or is out muscled to a ball that they've been fouled. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to be, you know, I know we're on a Celtic podcast. I don't want to be courting <laughs> um, controversy of of any kind of bias. But I thought the referee was absolutely shocking. On all fronts, there yeah. and I, I just thought uh, some of the decisions against Celtic were insane. Um, some of the booking decisions were ridiculous. The offsides were obscene. There was one linesman who literally waited till the referee told him what to decide every single decision, whether it was a foul or a throw in. He kind of hovered with his flag until the referee put his hand up, which is the opposite of how the game is supposed to go. Uh, yeah, when when Hayes scored, it seemed like that kind of inevitability of Caitlin Hayes and we were so buzzing because it's, you know, every time we get a corner, I think everyone's expecting there's a 50-50 chance it's a goal yeah, it's going to yeah. be Caitlin Hayes. So when it goes in, the, the kind of relief and the excitement because that's what we're looking for. We're looking for that breakthrough and it's always going to come from her. Mm. Uh, for it to just be ripped off straight away for a Tash Flint standing completely still. Just standing um, close. Like, every, it's a crowded goal mouth. Like, what, what, you're so... The, the point of the game is to try and like limit the opposition. <laughs> I mean, it's com- it's completely within the rules to, you know, hold your ground and stay strong. It's com- You're not allowed to not, the rules don't say that you cannot touch a goalkeeper either. You know, I think I saw some people on, on Twitter, uh, the kind of defending the idea of the foul because, you know, you see them give in and it's 50, 50 and no, it isn't. I know this, this idea that we need to like pretend 
that this was like a decision that could have gone either way and you'd be annoyed if it was your team, but it wasn't. It was just an insanely poor decision. Um, we don't have VAR, obviously, and that's generally for the better. Uh, but for, for the referee to decide that because our goalkeeper hasn't won the ball, it's a foul without mm-hmm. any reason to. There's no evidence of a push. There's no evidence of a foul. Uh, he's just decided um, mm. to be the centre of attention, maybe, which is what you, I usually criticise them for. Um, or because he's a wee bit biased. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just thought it was insane. And the more we watched the halftime, the more frustrating it got. And that probably bled into the rest of the game, just that sheer frustration. And you could see on Fran, you know, his reaction to a lot of decisions, because they just got poorer and poorer and poorer. Yeah. He eventually gets booked, but... Yeah, that goal gets given, obviously, the whole colour of the game changes from that point onwards. And we go in at halftime a goal up, you know, that's a whole different, literally a whole different ball game. And it is frustrating. But again, these, as Caitlin said in her interview, which I think we all enjoyed after the game, where she kind of didn't mince her words about what she thought of the refereeing as far as she could. And she got a lot of flack from it, of course, from other sources. But um, yeah, it is frustrating, but I guess... You know, like you said, like and like she said in that interview, you play the opposition, you play the refs, and we have to be good enough to still yep. go out and get a result. Um, I find it. I just I for myself. I just I it's t- it's too much if I dwell on those things. So I was just I was really keen to just quickly move on and go like right. Let's just come out in that second half. I think Pam. I just wanted to mention that Pam made a couple of cracking saves before halftime. Um, one in particular against a long-range effort by Rachel McLaughlin, which was looking very much like it was going in the net and she tips it around the post. Yeah, that was an unreal dig from McLaughlin. I mean, taking on the half volley, she gets her foot right over it. It is sailing out of the goal. Um, and Pam, just as usual, just flies across the goal. Two really strong hands on it, as always. You know, she doesn't ever try and tip things. Mm-hmm. Uh, she also made a really good save off the line from, I think it might have been a broken hay. Um, kind of dipping like a cross that took a really wicked dip and from our view it looked like maybe it was one of those ones that's landing kind of on the bar or top of the net and she's kind of making sure but it's dipping right in under the bar mm. and she really gets a good hand to it because it's going really quickly over her head uh, she's just what, what a sign she's been you know these big games she just really turns up yeah half time nil nil um, I think again not that dissimilar start to the second half than we'd seen for the rest of the game I don't think anything massively changes in terms of um, sort of like we said that style of both teams just trying to get something and maybe it not coming off not being able to get anything that wasn't um, from long range and then they get a goal at like 64 minutes I can't remember exactly but um, Kirsty Howitt's goal I mean, talk us through that. It's it's a really frustrating one. I've just been watching it back again this morning. Um, and obviously, it's. A, I mean, Kirsty Howe is a great player. She had a number of shots on goal. But coming off the post like the way it did, I was just like... <laughs> I mean, I w- watching it back, I thought it was a, you know, low to say. I thought it was a really, really good goal. I mean, the, <laughs> particularly, you know, the football as well they played before that goal. The build-up is great. I think Emma Watson kind of uh, makes that difference. Emma Watson was, she's good. <laughs> she's she is really really good, and I think you know there's good football up to the up to it reaches her, and she really just drives it and mm-hmm. get deeper inside the park. She's gets it near the box and lays it off, and how it's dig is is cracking as well. I mean, it comes off the inside of the post, second away. She is aiming for the bottom corner, 
Um, so it's a good finish, but as you say, it hits the post in such a frustrating way that it's like, why couldn't that fucking bounce out? Why that bounce out? <laughs> and it just means that Pam kind of is left not really being able to yeah, do anything. Totally stranded, yeah, totally um, Yeah, like you said, the build-up play was great. It was Emma Watson making that run and then kind of Brogan Hay, who we've always known was a th- massive threat in games like this, kind of playing the middleman to get the ball over to Kirsty Howard. They just did it really, really well. If you, you know, let's not, spend too much time talking about them being good I think I think what is you know not to to bring any of the tone down because we've not you know lost anything yet but <laughs> we don't we don't play football like that enough you know I think that we're quite set in our directness um, and when it's not going right I think we really don't have a plan B or I think the players in the middle of the park don't seem to trust their ability enough to play football like that in the big games yeah we'll play like that around um you know, Hibs or around um, Hamilton or whatever, but in the big games, we don't play little triangles in the middle of the park. We don't really take players on unless it's a winger one-on-one. And now when we play the big teams, our wingers are never one-on-one. They're always doubled up. Jacinta's always doubled up. Uh, So she can't just take players on and cut inside. I feel like there's quite a lack of creativity recently in the big games from us. And we're relying on great defence and then, you know, players kind of stepping up when we play this direct football and, and getting breaks of the ball and putting a defence under pressure, which are all completely fine. Mm-hmm. But there are times when we're watching these games where, you know, we played Rangers game the other day. As much as it's kind of even, I felt like we were playing exactly how they wanted us to play. You know, they were getting a lot of the ball. They're quite happy to take shots from range and that, you know, worked out in a goal for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the minute they go one up, you know, they can kind of trust that we're going to send long balls now the rest of the game. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it is a frustrating watch and you would hope that that's something that's going to evolve as this team stays together or as new players come in or whatever. But I think watching these games, you do get frustrated as a Celtic fan with the amount that we've watched that when the direct balls aren't working, it looks to wee, a wee bit like we're banging our head off a brick wall. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And um, it'll be interesting to see what happens next season in terms of the style of football that we play, especially regarding what personnel we have. Um, I think to talk about the rest of the game, it felt to me a little bit like it was that kind of a little bit of panic and desperation setting in as well, which we've seen a bit recently, like you said, in some of these big games or games where we just really need to pull a result out of the bag. Uh, Fran sending Caitlin up top, which he did again against Parsit Thistle and yeah. I mean can we just talk should we talk about that now because <laughs> we're sure. going to talk about it um in the Parsit Thistle game as well because obviously it resulted in that last minute goal that got us the win but like I asked him about it in the press conference yesterday and he sort of you know obviously said well she's a threat she can score goals she used to be a striker she can kind of do it all which she clearly can you know that's not that's not in question. She she is able to fulfill those roles, but it seems a very, what does it say about that team and that squad and the way that we're playing football that when we need to get a result and, you know, time is running out that we're putting one of our best defenders up at the top of the park. And what message is that sending to the forward players? I just, I find it very baffling. It's a funny one because I think in general, you know, last of the dice, nobody's against Caitlin Hayes going up. Um, she is such a threat. And see I why. Mean, yeah, if she's going to get, if she's going to get us a goal, 
for that game, fine. But as a big yeah. picture thing, <laughs> yeah. But she was—I mean, she was also sent up in the Rangers game with like twenty minutes to go. Yeah, you know, it, it was wasn't like, like this is last five minutes. Um, and it just screams what we've been saying since January. We don't have a striker. We don't have a striker you can hang your hat on. We don't have a striker that fits the system that is also going to get us goals. It seems like we either get one or the other. Uh, you know, not to be too harsh. I think Kitlaferski's been quite anonymous when she's come on in these games. She looks maybe a wee bit nervy. Mm-hmm. Uh, or she's very kind of overly unselfish. You know, a lot of that, which mm-hmm. is really frustrating that we want from a striker. Um, I thought Tash Flint was, was really poor against Rangers. And she's somebody who we've given... I know what I've given because I've been quite harsh uh, a pass to in these big games because she's been scoring and that's what her job is and that's all I want from her. But there were a lot of, there were some decent chances made in that second half which, that were kind of paired with really bad decision making or really awful shots, mm. you know, just things not being taken. And we've been blessed the past couple of years to have strikers who can put their head down and and put a ball in the back of the net from a good chance. You know, mm. they only need two or three good chances to guarantee they'll get a goal that game. Um, we don't have a striker right now who has that air about mm. them that they're going to take a chance um, or pull a chance out of nowhere. And it's it's really frustrating. And that's why I think Hayes is up there so early because Fran is looking at that park and he's thinking, who's my threat? And the threat is the centre-back. And that's kind of it. Yeah, You know, there's nobody else in that team who has that kind of uh, in-the-box predatory nature about them. Mm. I, think, I still think Amy Gallagher has been the closest, but she doesn't play up front anymore. Um, and I actually think she's had a few games now where she's the game's kind of gone by her in these big games when she's playing in the middle of the park. For me, the solution to that is to play her at striker because she can score. I think I think you're absolutely right. And the Tash Flint thing, like she has scored some goals for us, of course, but it's it's almost frustrating that that has happened because it kind of it it doesn't feel like that's a reflection of how she's played. And I also feel like there's this offset because so often you talk about the creativity in the middle of the park and making those triangles and doing that kind of being a bit more creative. And it it feels like sometimes she is the thing that stops that happening because she kind of, she, she comes back so deep and she'll take the ball very often with her back to goal. She can't make those quick nippy turns that someone like Lou or one of the wingers can do so it kind of feels like it slows things down and then for a player like Amy Gallagher that's not going to suit the way she plays yeah I think Tash would would suit a two up top system you know somebody else doing that like going beyond her when she comes deep Um, I think she is clearly a talented and creative player but she slows the game down because maybe that's what she's used to when she's been playing at Leicester yeah Um, you know it's a team that plays very differently to us a team kind of battling at relegation um, and it just means, you know, there's a lot of the way we play when it when it reaches, you know, the the player with the back to goal, like where Tash is, it needs to move straight away. Mm. And there were a lot of times in that Rangers game where the ball would come up, it would land at Tash's feet and she needed to turn and play it. But she would stop and she would look up and she would decide what ball she was going to play and wait for that run to happen. Mm. And Rangers are a really good team. You know, they <laughs> all got time for that. And, and they can sort everything out. But where Rangers' weaknesses are is I think the centre-backs aren't as good as they used to be. I think the centre-backs are really two players that you can go at. I think Davison's a, a really good player, um, but she's made a, a, she's made a few errors. You know, she's she's got that in her. Um, and I don't really rate their, their captain too much. And I feel like we don't put them under enough pressure because our striker comes back to receive the ball and nobody goes beyond. Yeah. You know, there was hardly any balls that were, you know, really putting the, the Rangers' defence in their heels, which is how we play. Um, and I think Summer 
is all about, obviously it's about retention of our key players, but it's about a striker. Mm-hmm. Um, and a striker who maybe we're going to take a risk on or put some money into or something, you know, somebody you can bring back and say, uh, you know, you're going to score us 25 goals this season. You're going to score yeah. us whatever. Because you've got Lauren Davidson for City, who is the standout striker in this league. You take Lauren Davidson out of Glasgow City and they are miles off it in terms of, you know, competing for this mm-hmm. title. Uh, and when we had Charlie Wellings and we had Larissey, that's what kept us in all these title fights with a team that was quite ever-changing mm-hmm. and wasn't quite hitting its stride. And we don't have that right now. And when you take out your key striker, you can't really win leagues. And it's quite frustrating. Yeah. Um, just very quickly, I, we're t- taking a lot of time when we've got a lot to talk about. But on the kit thing, I think she obviously came into the team at um, a very weird stage of the season. You know, she came in very late and had to kind of fit in and slot in. And I wonder whether if she is a player that we do have next season we just we don't know about any of the players for next season really yet get Molly Plasman <clears throat> was Molly Plasman get her off that plane get her on the park. <laughs> um but I wonder whether she is a player because you know I think if you think back to when Clarissa first came to us and ne- wasn't necessarily someone that we were like massively impressed with until she kind of just absolutely flourished in the way that the team was playing and then when Charlie left she kind of there was a there was a hole to fill and she absolutely did it so who knows with that? Um, we probably should move on. Uh, we lost that game. Um, I also, can I just mention the uh, little incident where the ball went on the top of the stand and dropped down and the steward who was facing us took one of the best touches of the game. <laughs> yeah, killed it, killed it completely dead. And then just stood with a little wry smile on his face as everyone cheered. <laughs> it was very, very cool. Um, we played Parsit Thistle at the weekend. We moved on from the defeat to Rangers which obviously had a big effect on the table um but we're another step on from that now um back at Peters Hill my favorite um and you're thinking that obviously Partick Thistle this on paper should be one of the easier games in this top six in which none of the games are really not I mean easy isn't a word that I should be using um but yeah what were you thinking going into this game were you fairly confident I was thinking goal difference. I was thinking kill the goal difference, you know, argument, um, rattle a few past them, really stretch a lead out there with two games, sorry, a few games to go after mm-hmm. this and just put that to bed. You know, we don't have to, we don't have to count goal difference anymore. We don't have to think about it because we'll go out and hammer Thistle and, uh, and that'll be that. But yeah, my God, um, terrifying. Um, yeah, I thought we would, <laughs> I thought we'd walk over them. And we um, did not. <laughs> yeah, I thought it'd be a nice bounce back game. Although, at the same time, you know, we'll talk about the rotation of the squad. When you do that, you open these games up for that eventuality, for that break of, you know, the, the run you're on being broken, for the, the kind of squad to feel a bit awkward and not know where each other are. You open all those possibilities up. And Fran rolled the dice on that to give players a rest before the big game at Parkhead. I understand that. Um, technically, I guess it's paid off, but my God, it was terrifying. <laughs> let's talk about the lineup I mean first first things first Chloe Logan back back in goal amazing like I think we there's so many ACL things and, and long injuries in the women's game right now it's such like a high level with all the high profile players getting it um, and we've dealt with our own as well so we've got LEC out as well uh, so to see Logan come back she's you know somebody that's ever present at the games every time we go you always see her there um She's always involved in the squad, so really good to see her back fit enough to start a game. You know, she's got Tahonar to learn under, who's just been so good and who has so much experience. 
so I think you know the, the jersey is is Pam's until she goes, which yeah. probably end of the season. Um, but you know Logan's our long term future. She's been a keeper we've really liked, so mm-hmm. good to see her back fit and good to see her back starting. Yeah, I mean, looking down, let's go through. It's Logan, Otto, Robertson, Craig, Gallagher, Jacinta, Clark, Hayes, Bowie, Flint, McInerney. I mean, Tegan Bowie and Maria McInerney are the other two um, significant rotations in there that um, we might not have expected. Um, thoughts on those? I mean, I, we, we've, we've said what we think of those players. I think it was very evident on Sunday that Tegan is a very different player from Lou in terms of she just hasn't quite got that um, quickness. So when the ball comes, like she, she can make those runs when, when the ball's ahead of her really, really well. She's so fast and she can get to a ball and she can make something happen with it. But when she receives, you know, those balls we always talk about from Caitlin, she, when she receives one of those, it's not quite as touch touch and turn and go as it is when Lou and so it's slightly you know you don't get that pace maybe yeah I think also she's it doesn't help when you're trying to kind of find your way back into a team or perform at your best and you're in these rotated squads because you're in this disjointed performance already you can't really help it yeah uh, the context is kind of a bit off already <laughs> yeah so it you know it doesn't help but you know Maria is a player I really like um you know she had that really good run playing in the team uh, kind of in the middle of the season and she's somebody I think with a little bit more of a of creativity up top uh, which is what I like to see her so I don't really like her when she's a wee bit deeper I quite like her to be in almost like a front two mm-hmm. um, or a, in a kind of number 10 role um, she can kind of blow hot and cold but that's because you know she's a really young player with a lot of ability Yeah. so you know she's somebody I don't mind being in the team ever uh, and somebody I think has a long term future being one of the forward players for us and maybe why we need to experiment with different formations because We'd have a lot of players that don't quite fit right now and you want to see them fit because um, mm-hmm. players can't play at their best unless they're kind of suited to their roles. But, you know, it's a weird, it is a weird set of rotations. Um, it just shows again, like, he's trying to rest players and he doesn't feel he can rest Hayes. He doesn't feel he can rest Jacinta. Again, I quite like that. I like that you, you start with your key players and then take them off if needed, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Otto's a player, I think as well, who doesn't, benefit from being in these rotated squads because I don't think she's quite comfortable with her role mm-hmm. at the team uh, and it just kind of all that bled into the team and the performance and it just looked like you know a, a team of players who are better than the opposition but who aren't firing and it's a tough watch yeah when we it. It, it kind of brings to mind this thought I've been having recently about you know like Fran said the other day when I asked him about Tash Flint and saying you know playing her much deeper and and what the thinking is behind that and is that something that they've been working on and he said you know you you uh adapt the system to the player not the player to the system and yet he also is this big advocate for a lot of squad rotation where it's like well it doesn't matter because there's a system and they all know what they're supposed to do in the system and at the moment it just feels like there's this kind of like those two ideas are like missing each other and that somehow it isn't all clicking and we've had a couple of performances where it has felt like we've really we've talked not even like two weeks ago about how it's felt like when it when it does work it really does work and it feels like we're clicking and playing together as a team but it's not kind of consistent enough yeah I do think as well what might be the case is there is a bit of a drop-off in quality between a lot you know some of the rotated players um and that's quite evident and again we're so reliant on Lou carrying the ball that now that 
but if we're going to play the normal system, does that now get put on Tegan Bowie's shoulders that she's to kind of, you know, beat three players every 10 minutes and carry the ball forward like Lou does? Yeah. Um, like, I think he, I agree with Fran for the most part, and I think he is very aware of certain players' strengths, which is why the ball is at Caitlin Hayes' feet so much. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why the ball is kind of force-fed to Lou, even when it's not going her way. He's, yeah. he's committed to kind of, like he says, rolling the dice on players' best strengths, rolling the dice on, um, you know, what he thinks they're capable of, and every time it pays off, we'll, we'll potentially create a chance from it. Uh, yeah. But I think with the rotate squad, it's maybe more, obviously you wouldn't say this, but it's maybe more a case of he thinks we're much better than Park Thistle. Some players need a rest. You know, let's let's just put this team out of players that he trusts. Um, but this is how, you know, we, you drop points. This is how we've we've dropped little silly draws before. And um, it's just that it's one of the big risks you take in throughout a league season with a rotating squad. Yeah. Um, our first goal comes at half an hour and it is Caitlin Hayes, um, hero of the hour. <laughs> Um, from not a corner this time, but a free kick from McEnany, who I also want to credit for the consistency and quality of her um, deliveries from those set pieces. Um, And Caitlin Hayes gets that goal. And I think at that point I was at the game. um, I felt like, okay, here we go. Right. We just needed to break through. We needed to get that goal and then we could kind of kick on. Um, We, see out the rest of the half without really it looked looking back at the game and looking at the highlights again this morning it just looks a bit we just looked a bit all over the place and a bit muddled yeah I think that's the best way to put it um sometimes we talk about the games being seen out you know without much incident in a kind of positive way or just that's the nature of the game but I thought that's all we're kind of really dealing with us and they made it look like a, it looked way too much like a game of football and not you know <laughs> us running over Thistle which is what I wanted yeah um, you know and I think that's credit to Thistle a lot but yeah like you say I think when we were on the ball and muddled is a good way to put it um, things not really working out and players getting frustrated with things not working out and again you want to give as much credit as possible in this league to you know part-time teams like Thistle to kind of cause that I mm-hmm. thought they were they were pretty good, and they carried up. They carried a surprising threat. I think when they were on the ball as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just wasn't just wasn't great. It was not great. Um, they get a goal back to take us to um, level at um, like fifty eight, sixty minutes. A phenomenal goal! I really thought the Thistle goal was outstanding. Yeah. Well, but seeing as you have such enthusiasm for it, do you want to talk us through it and how it happened yeah. and how we let it happen? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a, um, you know, they're playing the ball, but pretty nicely. They're pinging the ball, but this will play well, which again, teams don't really hold on to the ball against us. Um, and there's a, an overlapping kind of one, two run from the Thistle fullback, which is what I dream of our team playing. Like, I think our fullbacks are so quick. They're so good. Um, but they can never get kind of free of, of double teams, but there's a player there to receive the ball on the wing already and the fullback overlaps them and our, I guess, left centre-back, it must have been overcommits, which is normal for us because you would expect to just put the pressure on. These teams will give up the ball um, and they kind of bait us in, which is so good and there's a really, really nice reverse ball played back to the fullback and she's in acres of space. Uh, I just, I'd love to, I think I shouted out loud when I saw that. I just thought it's, it's exactly how I want us to play. It's exactly <laughs> how I like fullbacks to play. Very kind of Italy 2006 fullbacks. 
Um, and then a perfect ball, perfect cross. And then and when they've caught us kind of on our heels, the they've broken that press. Celtic centre-backs, that three-centre-back pairing, once it breaks and somebody gets dragged out of it, it can become quite stretched. And that kind of tightness and that security of a three-centre-back mm-hmm. uh, grouping kind of goes away. And that's why when when that has happened, players seem wide open in the box. Mm-hmm. And the Thistle player was wide open. They, she got picked out perfectly. And she buried a header, you know, in the side of the net. It was, I, honestly, I thought it was one of the best goals I've seen all season. Yeah, Carr Henderson um, headed it in. Um, did you think that the initial move that Taylor Otto or Tegan Bowie should have been there to do something about that? Uh, yeah, but again, I think that that goal probably could have happened against any of our lineup. I think it's like it's it's more a symptom of uh, Celtic defending um, against these smaller teams. We can kind of run up on them and use our numbers and our our physical ability to kind of get the ball off them. I just thought it was a real moment of magic from Thistle. Just real intelligence. Uh, maybe something they'd worked on. It looked almost like a you know like a basketball mm-hmm. play, like a week training play, um, to bait us in and, and break. And I, I just think we should copy it. I think you could do that. We could do that against City. We could do that against Rangers. Um, we have those numbers on the wing. Uh, it was just a really, really great go to watch, and I would love to see us do it. Yeah. Um, there was another slightly hairy moment with what we might call the double save from Chloe Logan, although watching it back, uh, again, it just gives me the absolute fear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm delighted that she's back in goal, but I felt like we're so used to having Pam, who is so solid and so sort of trustworthy and reliable, but has that presence. And obviously it's a very difficult ask for someone to come straight back into a team um, after 15 months out, I think it's a long, long time and to exude that similar kind of presence. So I did... It, that did give me a bit of a wobble as well because I thought we could maybe concede, even concede again something slightly by accident, but not obviously just because of Chloe Logan. But I just, I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm rabbiting on, but what did you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, she'd been out so long. The thing that will take, you know, for a keeper to be out that long, as you say, the, the muscle memory will need to come back is decision-making and presence and command of your area because they're things you haven't had to do in any kind of competitive scenario for so long. Uh, the important thing is that she made those saves, you yeah. know, she, she, <laughs> she did, did it. She did really well. She made the saves and, uh, you know, I don't think she could be at fault for the first goal. So for a comeback performance to, you know, not concede there and to not make any real fuck ups, I, I think she'll be pleased. <laughs> um, <clears throat> we then uh, sit, sort of, seeing out the game at one all, nothing seems to be happening. I think at this point, as someone who is in, at the game and in the, because obviously <laughs> the Hearts game was going on, like going to kick off really soon after this game finished. So there was a bit of me like you that thought, let's get several goals in the bag. I can duck off a bit early, get home and watch the Hearts game from the beginning. Not a problem about the clash, but obviously I had to stay right to the end and I was absolutely panicking. I was feeling very unhappy and unsettled. Um, And, uh, you know, Hayes's incredible kind of ability to pull these things out like it's just wild to me that that is the way that we won that game <laughs> she's just um i don't know it's her physical presence her intelligence her decision making her threat her everything about that she just you can really i think there are players in football who have the aura about them where it's like 
you know, Celtic have had strikers like that in the past where like they'll get that last minute winner. You know, uh-huh. it's not over till they say it's over kind of way. And nobody, I don't know if ever in a Celtic jersey or in world football currently like typifies that more than <laughs> Caitlin Hayes. That like, you know, it is not over till Caitlin Hayes is at least, you know, headed one off the bar or come close or something. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't think even if we're chasing any game, Hayes will create Talk a about last she never chance. she never stops. Yeah, there, I mean there's nobody more than that and you know, she scored these huge ones in the last minute, but even like against Rangers, her, you know, we had that chance with Kelly Clark at the back post off a O'Riordan mm-hmm. um, header that was saved from a corner. But the reason these corners are so threatening is because everyone's on Caitlin Hayes. You know, she has a hand in everything. And uh, I think when she scores here, there's just, if you imagine you're that keeper, she's just bearing down on you. And there's almost that inevitability that Caitlin Hayes um, I don't watch any of the Marvel films, but I'm, I'm aware there's a Thanos or whatever says, I am inevitable. I thought that's a Caitlin Hayes <laughs> meme that could be. Oh my you know, God, she, I love it. Let's do something. She just, <laughs> she just bears down on the keeper. And it's like, if you're the keeper, it's very much rabbit head. It's like, what am I going to do here? Yeah. You know, you're not taller than Anna. You are allowed to use your hands, but she will jump higher than you. Yeah. You know, there's there's nothing you can do about it. And it's that mentality that I think terrifies defenders. Can we also have a bit of a shout out for the ball that led to that goal? Because it was Chloe Craig, I think, who put it up the park and it was sublime yep. and right in the right place. Perfectly weighted. I think, again, as you say, when we're doing that kind of last ditch, lump the ball up the park. You know, I, th- I think against Rangers, we were doing a lot of really terrible balls up the park that were going nowhere. And Craig really, really picks that one out. It's really well weighted. Uh, that dream where the ball, but if you're an attacker chasing a last minute goal and the ball gets to bounce, that is the dream because it just puts the defence under absolute chaos. Yeah. Um, I mean, everyone around me went absolutely crazy when that goal went in. I just kind of stood up and put my hands over my face because like, you know, when you're, you just kind of, you're just like, I don't even know how to react. Like it was just sheer relief. <laughs> I couldn't even celebrate. It was just like, oh my God. <laughs> What just happened? <laughs> I mean, that's our season now, you know, and there's been several Caitlin Hayes goals, which you would say that's our season. You know, she saved our season. This this was the one we looked back on at the end of the season, but she's done that like four times now. So yeah. we can't look back at them all as the season. <laughs> the moment. Um, we got the three points. Thank God. We're still in touching distance of this race. Um, as we said at the beginning, there's a lot that could happen and in many different ways that this could play out but the main one is that we need to get a win on Thursday at Celtic Park against Glasgow City um there's press conference out on the Celtic FC women um Twitter feed um I was at that press conference and we'll probably put some audio out of that today um some little highlights if there's anything that we thought that was of interest but I think we've not got tons of time to sort of preview this but I think that the headlines are the fact that we're going to be playing on such a big playing surface and it's at Celtic Park where the atmosphere, you know, Amy Gallagher was at the press conference and that was an opportunity for me to ask her what it's like being on the other side of it because she obviously played at Celtic Park as part of the Hibs team that we played last season. And she said it really was, she said it wasn't very nice. It was really intimidating. (laughs) Um, And that she hopes that the crowd on Sunday is very loud, very big and very noisy. Um, which you'd hope, but also just, just the size. We talk about pitch size a lot because obviously in women's football, you're playing on lots of different parks. You're not like, there's not a kind of consistency there. And I think this, you talked about us not maybe having some of the creativity that you'd like to see. And you'd like to think that this is a team that if they're going to 
create something football that's lovely to look at they'll it's this size of park that they'll be able to do it on yeah you know way harder to double team lose Jacinta etc when you're chasing them over a park the size of Celtic Park um, I think it makes a huge difference even the directness of our football will benefit from that you know more space behind the defence all this kind of thing I think Celtic Park we're talking about you know how we feel about the game coming up I really I'm confident and it's because of Celtic Park I think if it was at Pierce Hill I'd be really terrified. If it was uh, Airdrie, I'd be pretty terrified um, because I've not really been liking the team in the kind of last two big games in terms of creating stuff and we need three points. But I really do think, I really have this feeling, again, the way we destroyed Tibbs at Park Hill last time, it's like, it should be, you know, forget a leveller, like it should be just a game winner to have that crowd, the kind of crowd we should expect on Thursday as well with this mm-hmm. whole Celtic end thing. Yeah. It should be amazing and for me, if we end up, you know, beating City, who are the team top of the league, and turn this around and we do it, you know, in style because of Parkhead, that should signal to the club, if you want to win this league, you put these games at Parkhead mm-hmm. because the difference is astronomical. Yeah. And hopefully we see that on Thursday. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, I'm pretty excited about it just in terms of the atmosphere and stuff as well. Um hoping to be up close with the noisy part, which is the, it's kind of a test event for the Celtic end as well, which is an exciting thing um, to see. Well, I just saw a, a, a breaking news because we're doing it in the morning. Okay. <laughs> I just, because I've got the notification things on, which I didn't even realise I did, for Celtic Women's Twitter, they've actually released further tickets for the game because of great demand. And if I'm not mistaken, there was already, what, four sections open plus think, the ones at the side think, so maybe eight or nine or something yeah i think that there's been chat around that this will be the rec- a record swpl attendance um yeah if everyone who's got tickets if you haven't got tickets um yet if you if you, you can get them there's two links there's a general sale link and then there's a link if you're a season ticket holder we've put them both up on our twitter um if you are a season ticket holder you can't just turn up with your season book which is frustrating but the way it is um you have to basically put your details in on, on the website and then get a pdf ticket or whatever it is um but that shouldn't be too tricky to do and if you haven't just come along because it is going to the app whatever happens the atmosphere is going to be incredible um we obviously want our strongest lineup and i think when we look at lineups um the midfield is probably the main question mark and in this situation that we find ourselves without live chance and without natalie ross there we are left with many fewer question marks because we kind of know that he's going to have to go with lisa robertson shen in in the middle of the park there yeah i mean that's what you'd you'd hope i think although it's france who knows yeah i know i I don't want i don't want to i don't want taylor otto and shen taylor otto and lisa robertson i don't think she would shoot this game at all no um, it's not what I want to see. Uh, I think I would trust Sharon a lot more actually on this big park to come and take the ball. I think yeah. she needs to. She's going to start. She needs, you know, for watching back footage of that game. With maybe Sharon a little needs bit that of, kind of confidence that she can come and take that ball off the defence. Yeah, a little bit of space around her. I think that might really kick Definitely. her on in terms of the confidence. Yeah, for sure. Um, and there's not much else to say apart from we need the three points. I mean. Yeah, I mean, as I said, I think with the. Obviously, the little uh, diagram you made was was perfect, and the the permutations are: Celtic need to win both games. Yeah. Let's not focus on anything else. Let's do that, and 
I th- again, I think if you're looking at bookies' odds or what you would expect, I don't think it's ridiculous to think that if we beat City, Rangers smell blood in the water that they have to beat City, you know, and yeah. they can have a chance as well. Um, and we should go out and win that last game. And I think there's a lot of um, reason to believe that if we can beat City at Celtic Park, which we should be doing, that this league is really going to open up for us because City have the hardest game in the league, you know, as the last day of the season. Absolutely. And it also means that because Champions League football is at stake, there's nothing, there's no kind of doing people a favour or kind of... Yeah, I don't think that's a thing that will happen. Everyone wants to do as absolutely as well as they can in this league and prove to themselves what they're able to achieve. Um, Lorenzo, uh, do you want to give me a prediction or is that too much to ask? Listen to this. Okay, here we go. (laughs) It will be... 3-1 3-1 to Glasgow Celtic. Okay. Do you know what? That's fairly similar. Yeah, I think that's maybe where I would have gone. Um, yeah. Okay, we'll go with that. That's the that's the pod prediction. Do you know what? I, you know what? It probably won't. It'll probably be 2-1 last minute, Caitlin Hayes winner. <laughs> Please. I can't cope with the stress of it anymore. It's too and the, much. And she jumps in the Celtic end like Sam and us. <laughs> Um, it's going to be amazing. Uh, it's also going to be on Sky as well if you're not able to make it to the actual game. Um, so get watching. Um, and yeah, I'm off to have another cup of coffee and worry about Celtic a little bit more. Lorenzo, what about you? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to see um, Vittorio Angeloni tonight. Oh, we stand. went on uh, Monday. I know, I was speaking to Chris, but he said it was good. Yeah, very good. Good Celtic man, that's relevant to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think you'll have a good time. So uh, enjoy that, and uh, we look forward to tomorrow. My God. Yeah. Anyway, this has been great. Thank you so much, Lorenzo. Thank you, Claire. He's been Lorenzo Pacitti. I've been Claire Wilde, and this has been the Celtic Women's Football Show.